welcome to Forever Canon, podcast where we talk about our favorite Star Wars books, one vignette at a time. <laughs> I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, we're going to talk about chapters 13 through 16 of Legacy of the Force, book four, Exile. But first, bum bum bum, previously on Forever Canon, Ben officially becomes an interstellar runaway. Lumaya reactivates Manchurian Klauskadate. The heist can't be heisted because it's been pre-heisted. And Leia wants her family finally as Alema arrives. But that was last week, Tim. That was last week, Tim. So long ago. So long ago. We start with chapter 13. The Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Mara has hacked the data card they found in the basement of Lumaya's apartment complex, Zorp House. The info is confusing. All the details are covered up with code words. Here's something she pulls out of there. Confirmed the lady's daughter succumbed to injuries by grandson 32707. And these code names have them jumping in every direction. Yep. Lumaya must be the lady. She has a daughter? Is Brisha Seo her daughter? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But Luke knows those numbers are familiar. He's like, wait a minute, 32707, like fucking Rain Man. He's like, that was from Ben and Jason's, or I guess Jason didn't make one. That's from Ben's report about the asteroid where they took Brisha Seo. Blah, 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 blah. I put the numbers together. He's a freaking genius. Not only is he the strongest, most powerful man in the galaxy, he's also the smartest. I don't know if you knew that. That might be why Jason resents him so much. But the details don't add up because the code words make it confusing. Although to them, it's obvious. Either Jason or Ben killed Lumaya's daughter, Brisha, when they went to asteroid 32707. Clearly, that's what happened. We need to get on that trail. That's why she infiltrated the GAG and wants revenge. But damn, Ben has no memory. And Jason must have been brainwashed. Or else why would he not have mentioned this to us? Why would Jason not tell me, Luke Skywalker, Grandmaster of the Order, his uncle, and superior in every way, (laughs) why would he not tell me all the information? He must have been brainwashed. So they make plans to find out exactly what happened on that asteroid. And they're going to ask Jason face to face him. <laughs> Fuck me. Like. That's, uh, uh, Let me know if you hate that one. Forever Canon Podcast at gmail.com. Do I have to write an email or can I just tell you right now? <laughs> I want you to write an email, you prick. Here's the thing. The message was pretty cryptic, but damn, are they jumping to conclusions. Like, they're so convinced right away. I know it seems... Like, the easy steps to follow. Yeah. The lady's daughter, the grandson, the asteroid number. But, like, you don't stop and consider for a second, like, maybe this really smart Sith that we're chasing is trying to trick us. Yeah, is really trying to mess you around? No, because they think they're fucking geniuses and that all this stuff they've just found accidentally, or not accidentally, through through the, the goodness of their own skills of investigation. Not because somebody could have possibly left us a trick. Anyways, not saying that it's a trick. But what about the rest of the data card? They pull one message off there. And that's all they talk about, and they're like, let's go! Boom! Bag up, tag them, roll! That's all that was on there. Yeah, there's one. That was it. One freaking message. No, she says there's a bunch of shit on there, but they only talk about the one. Like, I don't know. No time, no time. Once you see 32707, you gotta roll! But they're gonna be sniffing off target again. So close. Again, so close. But no. (laughs) Wrong. Wouldn't you know it? Cut to the errant venture. Alema can sense a Jedi on the casino ship, but she can't find them. Which means they're hiding. Which means it's Leia. Captain Pisspants sets her on track, though, 
with a speech about how Karelian smugglers stick together, in case you don't know. Apparently nobody knows anything about anybody. Yeah. Lando has no idea who owns this shit. Alema has no idea how Karelians and smugglers work. <laughs> so, piss pants, you better go check the private spaces, because all these people are best friends. Way to go, piss pants. You're about to get someone killed. You're going to get someone killed. But come on, Alema. Does she not know? Again, does she not know that they know Booster Tarek? Does she not know that they're friends with Wedge and his daughter is named after? She's a spy, too. They're all spies. Everybody's spies. Everybody is part-time spy, full-time something else. Businessman, Dark Jedi, wife of the Grandmaster, whatever it may be. Everybody's part-time spy. Yeah. So how the fuck do you not have any information? Well, there are some of this stuff, like maybe. Basic information about the people you want to kill so badly that who their friends are. Yeah. Sure, they have a lot of them. Sure. But you can't draw a quick line from Luke to Wedge to Han and Leia to Booster and be like, maybe I should check other parts of the ship. I'm such a good <laughs> sneaky murderer. I'm real dumb. Maybe even without the connection, do you want to check <laughs> right? the whole shit? Like, no, I'm just checking the common places, the open bars and casinos. That's all. You know, you they'll just be walking around. That. Anyways, I don't know. Maybe she shouldn't know these things. I don't know. Maybe that's like uh, me being the omniscient reader with way too much information compared to all the characters. And it's yeah. like, why are you doing the wrong thing? Like when you watch this horror movie and this, the girl answers the phone or opens the door or yeah. they pull over the car or whatever. Yeah. Like, what are you do? Why? How do you not know this? <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. Maybe she shouldn't know. Cut to the Bothawi system on the Shamunar. Klauskin. Remember he told them, I'm going to take over your ship because you got a lot of traitors on here. Yeah. Well, he rounded up all the fake traitors that he told Captain. That was my whole secret mission this whole about. time. That's, that where I, that's where I've been. Boom. And now he says, let's run the crew through a sim now that we've rounded up all the traitors. Spice things up, huh? Shake things up. We're already shaking them up. Shake them up more. Bjerk says, great idea. Whatever you say, Admiral. <laughs> Kloskin and Bjerk head to the, the, uh, the auxiliary slash emergency bridge to run the sim. And wouldn't you know it, Klauskin shoots him and kills him. Yep. <laughs> Locks the door behind him. And then it gets worse as he vents the atmosphere from the entire ship. The hangers, those those speckly, staticky blue shields that they have to keep the atmosphere off. Yep. Force field's gone. All of them. But he's locked safe in that room. He vents the entire ship. He just killed. I looked it up. On a frigate of this size. Approximately 800 to 1,000 people. Dead. All of them. Dead. Killed them all. But he's going to be a hero when this is all said and done. (laughs) That's what his ghost wife told him, right? So what's not heroic about this? When everyone is dead and dying, or dying, he calls up Bothan Intelligence, big deal, Karoylan. Remember him? Yeah. Maya doing a full studio FaceTime with him. Well... Now the Alliance ship, Shamunar, is under Bothan control. So the Bothans can jump their fleet to join the Karelians without the Alliance knowing. This was the ship that was out there watching the Bothans, who have all had a large number of their leaders and representatives murdered over the last few weeks, who now hate the Galactic Alliance because they've gotten evidence that the galactic alliance is responsible for all the murders from somebody i don't know who possibly could have given that information on a holographic facetime or whatever 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 but now they're screwed yeah the bothans can move without the alliance knowing and all i can think is damn she is good man she just does everything flawlessly lumaya yeah. seemingly yeah doesn't seem like it takes her Has much she effort. Made a mistake yet other than, you know, in the in the one on like in a physical fight with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. In a one on one lightsaber fight, you're gonna have give and take mistakes there. But like 
in the rest of the execution of her and planning of her evil scheme here? No, she's manipulating an entire she, galaxy <laughs> to turn somebody else into a Sith from her asteroid for still kind of unknown reasons. Yeah. Is she doing it for jealousy and revenge? Is she doing it for the wholehearted goodness of her Sith heart <laughs> to carry on the <laughs> Sith tradition and have a powerful Sith? Uh, we don't really know her entire motivations yet, but is this, is this her trying to make more distraction chaos or is there a specific goal going to be behind having the Bothans either join Corellia or attack the GA? Like, is is there another freaking layer that we don't know about? Other than having Jason go to even more extremes to get the job done and become more evil and Sith like, I can't see any other reason. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, well, it's it's hard to know what her motivations are because she's so sneaky. So good, such a well written character. She's amazing. I remembered her being amazing, and she is amazing. She's living up to my memory. Which is apparently a difficult thing to do because uh, I don't trust it. Cut to never the errant venture and oh my god, they're hugging. Luke and Mara <laughs> are here and they're reunited with Han and Leia and company. But Luke and Leia are having a hug. It's been a while. Yeah. Since say it with me. Three, two, one. Spice loaf. <laughs> oh, the Come spice on, loaf. Tim. Damn it, man! I set you up perfectly. You did. Yeah, they haven't they haven't seen each other face to face since Spice Loaf. I don't think they were on. No. They weren't on Toriyama Station. As soon as they left, they all had that big fight over Spice Loaf, and then they went and joined Corellia right away after that. Did they not? I don't think they've seen each other. No. Yeah, I mean, it could be. What? How much time has passed? Six hours since the beginning of the books? I don't know. <laughs> since book one, I don't know. Could be, could be years. Could be minutes. I don't have a freaking clue. But they're finally back together. But let's get even crazier, because who else is on the air adventure? Drum roll, please. Jason Mother Effing hey, Solo. Hey, yeah, Jason's here. Holy frick, Mister Leahy. <laughs> The gang's all here, other than Jane and Ben, and Jane is not boyfriends, but the gang is largely reunited, but Jason isn't there for the reunion. In fact, everyone in his family on the ship is actively hiding from him. His mom, his dad, family and friends, they're all hiding from him. Well, he kills people. Can you blame him? He did try and kill. But quick, quick question, quick question. Um, did Leia not just resolve to talk to people and put the family back together and Jason's here and they're hiding from him? I get it. They're wanted and he probably arrests them. Yeah. But did you not just say a thing and then you're not doing a thing? She didn't find Luke. They came to her. She ain't done nothing yet. Right now. So far. So far. She said she was going to do the thing. She has not done the thing. That's all. I just want to say so far. Yeah. It's probably only been a few hours, though, since I had the <laughs> conversation. <laughs> like, like, really? I mean, actually, for sure. I don't know. Luke and Mara had enough time to get from Lumaya's basement on Coruscant all the hell the way out there. But just to It's Corilla. been at least, I don't know how long, hours a day? Yeah, I don't know. 12 hours, it's been something like that. Long enough to go talk to Jason if you know he's there and you have time to hide from him. It's enough time to not hide and go talk to him. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. You know? I don't know. You know, they I could, don't know. You could, could set him up. You could be like, Oh, come on, come and meet, come and meet the owner. Booster Tarek. Talk to the owner. You know him, blah, blah, blah. And really you walk into the room and it's Darth Vader with a Thanksgiving dinner, but it's your mom and dad. And yeah. They want to talk to you. And hopefully no one tries to shoot you. Well, and what do you, you know, what are you going to do? You're, if you're outnumbered 10 to one, you're not going to kill all your family and friends. Just to arrest your parents. I would hope not. Eh, we never. We don't know. <laughs> if Luke is, wait a minute. Luke's there. So. Oh wait yeah. A yeah. Everybody's Luke is gonna there. fucking die. So, Luke and Mara fill all the hiders in on Alema and Lumaya being back and so on because Han and Leia didn't know anything about that. They don't know anything about the Dark Jedi in the background. They just know about the political side of the, the things that they've been 
doing terrorism and, and so on. Yeah. That they don't know anything about the dark side Jedi's. Jason is busy on the ship though. He is in a casino. Decorated like the Maw. Yep. Which casual fans of the movies won't know, but readers of the books, the Maw is dope. It's a collection so cool. of black holes that nobody can get through and blocks out a section of space that nobody knows what's in there. It's part of the Kessel Run, actually. It's quite fantastical. Now, he's in this casino watching Robot Wars. <laughs> yeah. The casino has, like, you can take bets on, on on active robot wars, but they're miniature robots. He said yeah. they're, like, no bigger than 10 centimeters. Yeah, micro droids. Micro droids. Yeah. Get in the droids. Micro droids. Robot wars. Anyways, I thought that would be pretty cool at a casino. But that's what he's doing. Just chilling out, taking in the robot wars. Now, I'm going to step sideways for a minute. As you do. The maw here. Makes me think forward to the next series, Fate of the Jedi. And it makes me wonder, like we, how much of that series was known or planned or thought of at the time of Exile, at the time of this book series. Because as we've been reading through it, I've, I've read the other book series after, the Fate of, after Legacy of the Force. Fate of the Jedi is another nine-book series that is the sequel to this, like, direct sequel to this nine-book series. And there are a lot of tiny hints and details dropped over the course of these four books that we've gone through that are, like, really making me wonder how far ahead they had planned all this stuff. Because they are... If it's sticking out to me, man, I am not that smart. (laughs) You know? Like, The Maw, for example. No spoilers. But the Maw is pretty uh, a pretty big focal point of the early or maybe later parts of the series. Like there are parts of the series where the Maw is an important figure in what's happening in the in the sequels to these books. Yeah. And I'm just like, why did you stick him in the casino that's decorated like the Maw? And thinking forward <clears throat> and trying to wonder, man, like those books started in 2009 these ones started in 2006 so you're only a few years removed i don't know how long like the writing cycle would be from when you first decide you're going to do this nine book series to when you start writing the next nine yeah i don't know i don't know but they came out just three years apart from each other so i'm i'm imagining right now that there's a lot of hint dropping in this series about the next series I am, and I'm really, I'm, I'm happy that you're, you're talking about it, but not doing spoilers because you've read them and I haven't. Yeah, yet. you haven't read them, and that's no. going to be a really fun, different thing when we get to like some of those books. That but I, I so don't, good. I definitely don't want to spoil anything. But no, like, please don't. there are, there are, I have. If anybody's seen our posts on on social media, if you see my books, they all have colored tags on them, and usually the colors are uniform. It's one. This book, Exiles, got green tags all over it. But some of the books have special colored tags snuck inside them where I think there's secret hints at the next book series. And so I've been trying to plot those along the way so we can have something to come back to when we get there next year. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think think there are a bunch of little things. I've got real strong vibes of Real Fate of the Jedi vibes here. But back to Jason. He spots in the same mock casino where he's watching Robot Wars, Captain Pisspants. Yep. And he is slightly rattled when she seems like everything is fine. Baby wanted sabotage. Now he's all mad because everything worked out fine for her. That's one. The Master Skywalker find him. And he's already off balance when they walk into the room. He's already rattled about piss pants. Yeah. And I liked that. I liked get the drop on the man who is impossible to get the drop on. First of all, he surprised them. He didn't feel them coming because he was so rattled by Captain Urine Levent. 
It's okay. And secondly, Breathe it out. They, they get to force him into a face-to-face conversation exactly like they wanted to. How serendipitous is this? They didn't have to plan it. They didn't have to arrange it. And they even say, so fortunate of us to catch you over here on the errant venture where, you, where you'll have more time. And he thinks to himself, yeah, instead of on the Anakin where I could control how long our conversation lasts. And I'd be like, I have things to do. You know, that kind of thing. He manages to control his emotions enough to tell them the story Lumaya concocted to fit her planted evidence. And I'm going to tell you Jason's story. He says, my duel ended when the false Luke hurled some boulders at me and I inverted into a spin with my lightsaber. We both connected. I took a rock to the head and was out for a while. But when I woke up, my opponent was in two pieces and I found his head several meters away. I could see his true features. A Deveronian. He had no identicard on him. His lightsaber was gone. And Ben, Luke asked. I found him in an upper cavern, Jason said, unconscious. Brisha Sayo was nearby. She'd lost an arm and had sustained a head injury and sucking chest wound. All of them lightsaber inflicted. I stabilized her. She seemed pretty sure her habitat's medical droids would be able to fix her up. She said she'd found a wicked-looking redhead. Her description matched Ben's evil Mara, preparing to behead Ben and that she interfered. She was badly wounded, but drove the false Mara into retreat. Now, the reason why I wanted to read so much of that passage is because it sounds like the stupidest lie. (laughs) Yes, it does. It sounds so unbelievable. I don't know what happened. I was unconscious. He and was again, unconscious too. Oh, and then I just went up and found them, and everything was fine. Now, is this another case of I, the reader, having the extra information makes it more unbelievable? Put yourself in Luke and Mara's shoes where, like, the story is tailor-made by a perfect manipulator to manipulate you. Ben obviously got the best of Lumaya's daughter. Look at what a good sword fighter he is. Mara, Mara feels... a. Uh, a stab of pride at that kind of, you know, like, yeah, it's all very manufactured with them directly in mind. So I don't know. It sounds like a bad lie to me. It does sound like a bad lie. Well, then it is. But with that planted evidence in mind, they are predisposed to believe it. Yes. <laughs> they just set them up, knock them down. They do. It seems. And no further discussion because Jason's fleet is under attack. Who? Could that possibly be? <laughs> Chapter 14. Alema is watching this conversation that Jason just had with the Master Skywalker from the shadows. Imagine that. She's in the shadows. Of the dimly lit Ma Casino. Waiting to blow a friggin' dart in Amara's neck. You got a friggin' dart in your neck. <laughs> <laughs> but the kerfuffle thwarts this glorious chance for balance. As Luke and Mara get away, Alema is mad, but not for long. The kerfuffle giveth as much as it taketh away. As she's mad in the hallway, she bumps directly into Lando in disguise. Yes! (laughs) She follows him, hoping to find Leia. Forget about the Skywalkers. Leia first. So she follows Lando. Cut to the Dodonna. We haven't been here for a minute. Admiral Limpin, our gray-green-skinned, red-eyed Duros, gets the report that GA fleets at all five Carillion worlds are taking a beating from Bothans and Carillions and Kaminorians. So the Admiral does the only reasonable thing. Sets her sights on Centerpoint Station. All this time, all of these interactions, all of these little battles, and where do we come? Right back to Centerpoint Station, yeah. where we started in the first Aaron Alston book. Cut to the errant venture. Wedge and Corrin launch their X-Wings to defend the venture until it can jump to hyperspace. They're joined by Luke and Mara and their stealth X's, and the crossed loyalties are obvious. Everybody points it out. Hey, Wedge, you're going to be fighting Carillions. You all right with that? He says, anybody that tries to kill Booster, this is not my friend. 
<laughs> so I'm fine with it. Sure. It's an easy justification, but life isn't just hard for the Skywalker and Solo clan. It's tough to be their friends, man. Stuck yeah, in the middle really of all this. Is. Yikes. <laughs> Cut to. Next. Carillion Space. Where Jason returns to the Anakin. Orders it to fire on center point rather than protect the fighters, which is Limpin's plan. And his commander, Twizzle, doesn't like it. Okay. Let's talk about that name. How do you like Commander Twizzle? I, li- I like it as a, when you put it with Commander. Yeah. I, I don't just Twizzle by itself. You're it's right. Gonna... You're right. Giving it that title, that honorific, makes it dignified. Yeah, yeah it makes it a little better just... What? Hey, Twizzle? No. I didn't, I didn't spend 10 years at commander school to be called Twizzle. <laughs> commander Twizzle to you. I don't know. That's a good one. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it just makes me think of licorice. Yeah. Man. But, like, that's one thing I don't like. Licorice? In fan- well, no. <laughs> Black licorice. Go to hell. Other licorice, fine. But, no, like, um, and it's hard to avoid, but it, in fantasy and sci-fi, in fiction, when names remind me of real-life things... Yeah. Because then I just, I get stuck on that. I can't get that. Out. Well, because I'm sure they pull some of the names from real life things. Well, I mean, like you do. They have to. You just do, right? And yeah, so like, I don't know, Twizzle. So it's hard to, it's hard to move past. But back to fast paced, quick cut vignettes to make you feel the action. Yes. Not the conversations. This is all about action, action, action in these chapters, man. Yeah. Because. The shit is rehitting the fan yeah. <laughs> over around Corellia. And now we cut to whoosh, the errant venture. Lando is cornered by Alema in the turbo lift. And I thought this was neat because as he recognizes her, we get his perspective on Alema Rar. And he says, looking at her now, he had to force himself not to wince. He'd met her for the first time years ago at the height of the Yuzhan Vong War. When she was still a teenager, still mourning the death of her sister Numa, still physically perfect, still sane. I thought this was interesting because as far as people's opinions of Alema Rar and their <laughs> the perspective that we get of her through them, this is like maybe the most pitiful one. Yeah, he almost... He, feels bad for he, he really does like, yeah all all the time he's ever known her she's been suffering and now she's a broken fucking mess yeah and not only does he pity her i mean he i don't think anybody else has mentioned her sister dying no not in these books i, I don't think so she's only been around for two books three yeah. three two two, two books two. yeah so i don't think so no but that again it contributes to like the more pitiful feel of it, where like he's has real thoughts about her instead of just like, wow, she's crazy. Everybody else seems like they're so close with her, with her being a Jedi and stuff, and then turning that they're just like, she's a dark Jedi. We got to capture her and save her. They don't really talk about her life. Yeah, what made her that way? The Jedi are just focused on let's get her back. But Lando gives you kind of a different look at her. She corners him in the turbo lift, and she just wants to know where the solos are. But Lando gives her the old zap zap with with his cane. That's not really a cane. It is actually an electrified stick. Yeah. And runs from the elevator back into the crowd, preparing to call for backup. Thank God he got away from her. Thank God he's going to call for backup. And we get an excellent description of Alema's special memory power. Where it says, he felt... A greased worm writhing in his brain matter, heading towards the exit of one of his ears. What a good, horrifying, <laughs> that is a disgusting and great representation of that power that Alema has yeah. to sneak out of your memory. A greased worm sliding towards the exit of your so ear gross. hole. Yeah, it makes you want to gag, but it's nice. It, it, like, that's great. Yeah. That's, it's very, that's uh, excellent. Very wait, visual. He gets out there, he reaches the crowd, and he thinks, wait, who was I going to call? About what? The Ghostbusters. I don't know. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I'm old. Got to find a turbo lift. 
That is a very dangerous power, man. That's so He's literally dangerous. is he not literally about to walk theoretically right back into that turbo lift where he just left her? Yeah. Cause I mean like uh, maybe it's the closest one again. And she's just like, I'll fucking wait for you. And bro. could you imagine if anyone's looking for him? Like and happens to notice him come running out of this turbo lift and then yeah. stop. Yeah. Turn around and walk back in. Yeah. How crazy does he look right now? Man, these bad guys are like well designed for manipulating and sneaking in the shadows. Like their powers are well written and their characters are well designed around the way that they think and act. Like, yeah, it's all very well represented throughout their characters. Yeah. It's and and the description of how their powers work too. And, all of that. That's is what you just, always want when you watch the movies, right? Like, yeah. God, it looks cool when he reaches his hand out and chokes somebody. But I would love to read the paragraph about... How does that happen? Darth Vader had had enough. <laughs> yeah. He, he reached out towards the moth and he felt his fingers... He imagined his fingers tightening around the man's neck and suddenly he began, you know, whatever, whatever. Actually, I have novelizations of the movies, so <laughs> I could probably read that paragraph right now if I went and go dug the book out, but I'm not going to do that right now. Or well, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. But anyways, yeah, we get good descriptions of the force powers, man, like that, that ugh, greasy worm. Okay. Disgusting. Moving, moving forward. Cut to Karelian space where Wedge and Corrin are amazing fighter pilots and Luke and Mara are amazing fighter pilots. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Alston, you, you write great action scenes. Your battle descriptions are amazing, man. I know you're dead and gone, but you did good work, and this is good stuff. Check it out and read it yourself. I'm not going to describe the action of Luke and Mara taking out a ship and Corrin and Wedge taking out six or seven. <laughs> I like that Wedge... Read it for yourself. It's great. I like that Wedge is so good, and, and he's a normal dude. Yeah. like Every, Everybody else he's flying with is a Jedi. And, like, the simple scene where they're getting in the X-Wings, and he's like, he has to climb up the ladder, and Corn just jumps up into his thing, in. and he's like, you dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it is funny. Like, him and his daughter are amazing, amazing pilots, and it's they're surrounded by people who can do it better than them just by natural god force given gift which i think we talked about this but maybe that's why they're so good to they push themselves to their limits you're pushed extra hard because yeah somebody else's limits are way higher yeah (laughs) so you're like i gotta get as close as i can cut to dangerous people (laughs) dangerous cut to the dodana they make their run at center point blasting massive gouges and trenches into the station before ultimately having to retreat as they expected. Yep. The perfectly legal blockade of Corellia is over. That's a episode one throwback for all my friends out there. <laughs> Prime Minister Dergedjan has a massive victory. And the GA extends the war to include Bothui and Commonor along with Corellia. There will be no peace now. No. There are no negotiations to be had now. This will not end without war. And Jason and the Anakin are ordered back to Coruscant. Exactly where Luke plans to be. So again, had Lumaya not puppet mastered the Bothans and Kaminorians into joining Corellia, Corellia had no chance... They were slowly getting smothered by this blockade to the point of resources diminishing, ships unavailable for repair, all of that kind of jazz until Lumaya breaks the blockade with a couple of little FaceTimes. Yeah, it and didn't. A, and a ghost FaceTime. <laughs> it didn't take her. It, like, she I makes don't it know. look so easy. Yeah, it looks like it didn't take her very much. All of the politicians in the background that we don't know about or hear about are probably trying to accomplish all of the things that she does in a few phone calls or pre-crafted hidden data pad, data card in an attic basement secret compartment. The Zorp apartment. She just does everything perfectly. Yeah. So far. Yeah, so now, far. Now, again... 
I know that we've read these, and so me saying so far sounds like a spoiler. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember if she blows it or not. I remember what happens with Jason and Luke and Ben and all the people that we love and care about. She's just like, whatever. I don't remember <laughs> how much more she's like, 10 for 10, throwing fucking th- perfect 300 game out there on on the lanes. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. And even after... After this point specifically, because obviously we just read it, <laughs> but I don't even remember anything that she has to do anymore. She's She seems to have cracked the galaxy wide open for a big hard Sith donger to rise right <laughs> up out of there. Yeah. The chaos spreads. And chapter 15 takes us, finally, to Zios. Yeah. Now. We have talked about this off air. We have talked about this behind the scenes. There is something coming that we are dying waiting for. And I'm sure a lot of you know it out there too. So I'm sure you've read it. But no spoilers. I have been waiting to read that location heading. And it felt good to see that one. Even in the last episode when they were when they started talking about, about this. It? I was like, yes. Oh, just like. We are almost there, and, like, the volume is about to get turned the fuck up. <laughs> oh, baby. Ben arrives at the beautiful-looking blue-green planet to feel it staring at him. The planet. Yeah. He feels like the planet is staring at him up in his space from orbit. Creepy. He heads down to the surface and finds Fascus. He's got a burnt up ship. Looks bad. But Ben decides he'll have to track him through the heavy forest. He's not sure if he can. He's never done it before. He wants to pop out his R2 shaker with the force. He wants to pop him out of the ship with the force. He's got a Y-wing. He's not sure if he can do it. He's never done it before. Ben is alone on a mission. Alone, alone. Nobody knows he's on Zyos. As far as he knows. He doesn't know this is all a plan set up by Lumaya. As far as he knows, he was sent to Almania and then he decided himself to go to Zios. Yes. So nobody knows that he's there, according to his brain. Yeah. And he finds him quick. He tracks him. You betcha. But he's come here for his own little hero's journey. And, like, I love it. He's He has to test the limits of his own abilities here. He's not sure what he can do. He has to persevere through failure. He has to learn how to survive out in the wilderness. Like, this is a whole man rite of passage thing going on here, you know? It, like, very bluntly, blatantly is, like, I guess that's what the test to be the Sith would be. Yeah. How, <laughs> What? what's your level of commitment and perseverance? Because we can't have you quitting out here when things get bad. Yeah. Because things are going to get bad because we do bad things. It's like opposite <laughs> of the military, too. Like, can you think for yourself? Yeah. Can you do your yeah, own it thing? Is, it is that, too. Like, don't, you're not taking anybody's orders. You were given a, va- a vague task to get a thing and bring it to a place. Yeah. And now you've gone totally off the rails on your own mission. I love it. Even oh, if so it was good. Lumaya's plan, I love it. And... As he pulls the literal shield of his Jedi cloak up, he's in the creepy forest and it feels dark and bad at nighttime. So he puts on his Jedi robe and pulls it up over his head. That imagery of him, you know, trying to ward himself against the darkness, like the literal dark sideness, not yeah. just darkness of nighttime. It's a, it's a look that I don't think Jason Solo would do. No, I don't think Jason would. Well, I mean, he's also not 13, but I don't think he would cling to the hope and light of the Jedi robe as a comfort. You know, like this is definitely a 13 year old. Yeah, definitely a 13 year old. That's still uh, apart from like aside from Jason, it believes in the light side and the dark side. Yeah. And well, he, he does say at one point, though, that. Jason doesn't. Yeah. And so he kind of, he doesn't either. He's like, Jason uses uses those words to communicate with other people. Just, you know, but uh, we don't believe in that kind of thing over here. But But Ben, really, he's undecided. You're literally putting your light side on. Yeah. 
Uh, it's probably symbolic. I, I Probably. He hears a boom, and he hears engines. And there goes his ship slash only way off the planet. Gone. And Ben thinks to himself, there might not be anyone to help him get off world ever. And no one who cared about him knew he was here. He was going to die alone on Zios. That's heavy for 13. Yeah. I have, I, I have I, abandoned myself crying. On, on an ancient, uninhabited planet. Nobody has been here, supposedly, for thousands of years. Nobody's inhabited this planet. My ship just got blown up. Quick question. Who do you think blew up the ship? Who do you think blew up Fescus's ship? Uh, honestly? Those pilots. Those, those weird those pirates, pirates that we man. didn't know who the hell they were. Obviously, right? Yeah. yeah. So, again... They must have been hired by the Yeah, they, they were part that of the It seemed like the most obvious choice, but I like to think weird directions sometimes. Because maybe, you never know. Even though Ben has his cloak up, his robe on, he can't fight the desperation of revenge. Welcome to the dark side, son. Yeah. His ship gets blown up, and he says, I am going to get re." Revenge. Yeah, he gets pissed. Is that the influence of the planet? You know, like much like Lumaya draws dark side energy from her uh, asteroid that's all infused with it. Is this dark side stuff creeping it, into Ben? It's. I think it's a combination of thirteen-year-old immaturity <laughs> with the dark side. Yeah. It's a combination. Well, he was ready to smash faces off concrete back at the customs on Almania, too. Well, he's that that was him mimicking Jason, though. Yeah. You don't know. You know what? Customs is probably stressful. Okay. Customs is always stressful. Cut to Jedi Temple, where we get a pretty full collection of Jedi Masters in this meeting. Mara, Corrin, Kyle Katarn, Silgal, Kip Durin, and Luke. That's like... One, two, three, four, five, six masters. That's a lot of masters, y'all. They discuss needing more masters. Because as the war spreads and they spread thin when their duties, they need more people to teach. They'll be busy. Nobody mentions making Jason a master at this point. They just move on. They also debate whether Leia should be punished for all the sneaky stuff that they've been accused of or blah, blah, blah. Should she be kicked out of the order? That would appease the GA. They land on a nope for that one. Yeah. They don't have the same debate about Jason, even though Corn says his actions make the order look bad. They don't bring up kicking him out of the Jedi order. No, they do to not. Make, I guess because it wouldn't appease the GA. But Corn's <laughs> right. Like he, Just because the government loves him doesn't mean the shit he's doing is Jedi shit. Yeah. No, he's making us look like a bunch of dicks out there. I don't know. The thing is, in this debate, it's really focused around two two things. Like, they're talking about dispassionately testing all their ideas. Yeah. Beat it to death with a stick. See if it's broken. Use your logic. But then, Corrin says, we're Jedi, and we should also trust our feelings. And I mean, that's really been the problem the whole way is trying to pick apart the most beneficial thing or the most right thing or the least offensive thing for the Jedi to do. Like, yeah. Where Luke's just, uh, we'll support the GA. We'll support the GA. Or, you know, um, we're going to, we're just going to look at Jason's hard time with logic instead of trusting my feeling from the very beginning when I had a bad dream about him from literally the first page <laughs> of all these thousands of pages that we read now. Um, thousand plus pages. I mean, it's, you have to trust your feelings. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, you're Jedi instead. They're using their logic to dismiss their feelings where they're like, Oh, it's his girl problems, or it's oh, he's brainwashed, or yeah, just something we just were something we're not understanding, because he couldn't possibly be a bad guy. Yeah, there, it's like the rest of the books, which I guess would stop this from being a good book series. But they're talking themselves out 
of seeing the things that he's doing and like actually doing something about it. Yeah. Like they're talking themselves they out talk of themselves it. into inaction all the yeah, time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Instead of trusting their feelings. Zyost. Where Ben is cold that night. <laughs> so he has to build a fire. Ben is out of food. So he has to learn how to hunt. Which he tells his R2 unit, like, do you got any like uh got any books on hunting? <laughs> so maybe I can learn how to hunt from reading books about hunting. What a magical journey. He's having a magical journey. Learning so much about himself and all the things that he can do. But it's not long before he finds Fascus's camp. And he sees the man with the amulet on his neck. And Ben thinks, I gotta kill him. <laughs> gotta kill him quick. That's a super dangerous necklace. Clearly he's dangerous too because he's got the magic necklace on. And he jumps in, ready to cut this man's head off. As you do as a Jedi decapitation or nothing yeah he's flying over with his lightsaber ready to cut this man's head off just as he sees a small child behind Fascus, and he pulls back and kicks the man instead well, good for you ben there you go eh yeah he's not quite ready to kill for it and this is not the first time a small little girl has Stopped somebody from going full blast to kill somebody else. Nope. And it's kind of a trope where the men accept that their their violence needs to be done, but not in front of the women. Not in front of the, the, the dainty women folk. I think it's more the children and the innocents, not necessarily women. You sure? Because... Because, uh, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both. Uh... Would would it would he would they be stopping themselves if it was a little boy? Cool. I don't know. So far, it's only well, been it hasn't girls. happened yet, so we don't know. Yeah, so fucking prove me wrong. <laughs> you can't can't prove a negative. That's right. So I'm technically currently still right. You you're kind of you not right or wrong. You're very uh, Schrodinger's cat right now. Well, that's my Schrodinger's opinion. So how do you like that? I'm okay with that then. <laughs> well, surprise! It's Vasquez's daughter. And he didn't steal the amulet. He's just a delivery guy. He was told to bring it to a cave on this planet. So that's what he's doing. Ben is like, uh, what? <laughs> what is happening here? I thought you were a bad guy who stole a bad thing. Yeah. So I have to kill you. Very confused. But with the amulet now in Ben's possession and a destination, i.e. the cave this guy was supposed to go to, Ben takes off. Leaving Fauscus's corpse, he was dying, bleeding out from the exploding ship, and his six-year-old daughter behind. <laughs> the mission is too important to share resources, he says. He's already been running out of food and stuff. Yeah. He doesn't have anything. Until he gets a pre-recorded happy birthday message from his parents. Until then, he's hard as fuck. Yeah. But they... Left him a message on his data pad that would show up on his birthday. And here we are, 14-year-old Ben. Happy 14th birthday, Ben. What's his response? He says to himself, hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. For my 14th birthday, I killed a little girl. And he sat down, his lower back resting against the astromech. He leaned forward, wrapping his arms around his knees, and he began cry and i almost cried yeah <laughs> that, that is... the first time i'm reading that just now he's just a baby dude. he's 14 he's 14 you know how grown up you feel when you're 14 but like now like i'm 31 i'm gonna be 32 and like 14 is a baby i'm yeah. an eight-year-old he'll be 14 in a fucking heartbeat he's gonna be a baby yeah and like so for him to be like i killed a six-year-old God, that's like so heavy, man. Yeah. But save your tears, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> because even stranded on an evil planet with an evil amulet in his pocket, Ben Skywalker returns to the girl to do the right thing. That was actually close, I thought. I thought that actually might have been close. It would have been there could have been a very different outcome at this crossroads here where Ben thinks for a second, 
Jason wouldn't go back though. Jason would go do the thing for the amulet. Yeah. Instead of like you said, finally listening and thinking about somebody else for once. And you know, his parents break through to him accidentally. Yeah. So there you go. A little family contact stopped what a family member from doing a bad thing that he would have otherwise done and screwed and stranded and, killed a six-year-old girl yeah okay wait that sounded way worse than i meant it to but cut, cut to chapter 16 <laughs> on yeah. coruscant this segment describes more planets and systems joining Corellia. their team is now called the confederation and a growing arms race but no other action over a few weeks they say a few weeks this is this is the biggest time jump we've had, I think. Yeah. Yeah, normally it's we like a, a day, day or two. And then one of them was, what, nine days, seven, eight days? Yeah, this is weeks. A couple weeks. Here's a question, though. Hmm. Reading this part, who the hell is narrating this to us? In yeah. the story, who the fuck is telling us all this stuff? Is this just the news? Is this just the hollow news? Not once is there a speaker. Not once does it say... Yeah. Anybody's perspective or thought at all? There's no personality given to the text. It's just a weird info dump time jump. Yeah, it's like here's what's happened in the last few weeks. <laughs> here's what like, you missed while you were away. Yeah, that was really super weird, right? Yeah, there's no, there really, there is no dialogue. It's just information. Yep. Here's your information. Here's what's going on. All right. And I'm sticking with that. Yeah. A weird. Info dump time jump. Cut to the GA military headquarters. All the GA bigwigs are having a meeting. Well, what the hell just happened? You know, on that couple of weeks of news report that we just got. An old file was pulled and made to look like a new plan that pushed Commodore and Bothwee over to Krillia's side. The file was accessed by an unassigned GA trooper number. Long story short, Jason looks like a dick because there's a rat in the GAG. Yep. According to everybody else. What we know is that it's not a rat. It's Lumaya. Yeah. And she pulled an old 40-year-old file from a plan <laughs> to liberate Commodore from the Imperials, and she slapped some new shit on it and made it look like they're trying to take him out now. And that pushed them, and then all the information she gave the Bothans about the GA murdering all of them. She's fucking yeah, she's so good. She's, fucking, she's so fucking good. It's just so good. She's so genius. So anyways, Jason looks like a dick in front of all of his peers. <laughs> Meanwhile, we know it's not such a big deal. The main point here is that the Confederation is gathering its leaders in one spot for an election so let's give him the old Toriaz station routine and get him on a space station and kill them all. Huh? Excellent. Yes, but this time it's a sanctioned military effort by the GA, not Lumaya's secret night dying freaks. Silgal and Jason want to take him out. This is Jason's own version of like the master council meetings that we, that we just had. Where we had all those six Jedi Masters. This, this is Jason's version. He's yes. not a master. He's not been granted that rank or no. a seat on the council. But he gets to talk with all the military people because he's a big badass like that now. Even though he's still only a colonel. I don't know how high that is out of the numbers. I don't know. But this meeting has very different goals from the Jedi Council meeting. The Jedi Council meeting is about what can we do for ourselves moving forward to make everything as easy or as good as possible. We need more masters to keep teaching everybody. Yeah. You know, we need to figure out what we're going to do about Leia, that kind of stuff. This meeting is a little different. (laughs) Jason's meeting is a little bit more about kill everybody. It's a little more aggressive. isn't (laughs) it? Here's how we solve the problem. Blow them the fuck up. Yeah. Now, Silgal does tell, um, the head of intelligence. I think it's winter. Yeah. Kelchu. Yeah. Um, does tell her if we can capture them, it's better. But if we have to kill them, we kill them. Now, so like there is that proviso in there of try and try and not murder everybody. So like at least we can look like 
good guys. Like, you know, we put yeah. that mission statement out there. Different meaning. Cut to the Jedi Temple training hall to check in with Alemarar Task Force. We haven't seen them in a hot minute. She's been busy out there. Jaina and Zek are training. Lightsaber training. They're musing about what the Sword of the Jedi meaning could be. Zek says, maybe you're the new chosen one. Me, the reader. Uh, no, dummy, her brother is. <laughs> Me, an intellectual. No, dummy, her brother is. Okay? Yeah. Jaina sure hopes not. She says, it took my grandfather decades, multiple amputations, and a lot of tragedy to achieve his destiny. So I sure hope I'm not the chosen one. Well, you're lucky. You're not. It's your brother. Don't worry about it. You're fine. There will be no more suffering in your life. Everything is fine. It's a good call. Yeah. It's a good call. Don't want to be that guy, right? Who would want to be that guy? Who would want to, right? Okay. Jag thinks the Sword of the Jedi must be a weapon for the Jedi to use against the enemies of the Jedi. What else is a sword uh, for? Logical. What is a hammer for? Yeah. If not coloring on a paper. Ha ha, I tricked you. See, that's not what hammers are for. Swords could be used for other things too, maybe, but not to Jag's brain. Well, he's very military, right? Yeah, and he says, who are the enemies of the Jedi? Well, the Sith. So obviously, you're a sword to kill the Sith. I.e., Lumaya. Hello, we know about her. The conversation, though, devolves into Jag and Zek playing, arguing with each other, yelling at each other, playing a game of who tried to cock block the other the most with Jaina, and they both win. <laughs> when you know. They're both pretty shitty when they're trying to court Jaina back in the day. But Jag gets a super serious ringtone going off on his data pad. So crazy that everybody stops to look at it, and he even comments on it like, it's a it's a special one for for important missions. And it turns out his fancy algorithm has spotted a lemma. On the errant venture. His Alemarar alarm. Yep. Has gone off. And Jag says. The venture is here. In Coruscant space. Hunts on. And he rolls out. Let's go. Hunts on. I like that. Yeah. Hunts on. Hunts on. Very to the point. Very. Very, I don't know. I like it. It's kind of badass. I know. Well, and it sounds like it would, like he would be a boring character, right? Like, yeah, he's the straight man. Yeah, where like he thinks he he he's very predictable. He thinks in one way. He solves problems in one way with force <laughs> or, or logic, right? Whatever. Yeah, he seems like a very one, maybe two dimensional character. Yeah, but he's not. Like he he so comes out so much more colorful, which is ironic because he's a chist that's not blue. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he's a great character. Cut to the errant venture. It's Captain Pisspants. And she's medium drunk or six out of ten, as Jim Leahy would say. Special shout out to actor John Dunsworth. His birthday today. I believe he passed away last year. And he was the world's greatest trailer park supervisor and actually one of the funniest actors you ever saw in your life. I'll wait for you. Go check out Trailer Park Boys, nine or ten seasons of it. Come on back. Piss pants. Six out of ten drunk. Approached by a shadowy figure that she assumes is a lemma. She's always creeping in the shadows. She's living in her ship. Psych! It's Jason MF in Solo. And he wants to make a deal. He wants her to smuggle him into... That confederation meeting. She wants a ship and a way to contact Jason's parents. And he's like, well, weird request, but all right. (laughs) Deal. Probably shakes her hand as fast as he can. Ah, I don't have to give you very much. Um, But why her? Tim? Why Why is he hiring her? Her. Yeah. Of all the people in the galaxy, why piss pants? He doesn't like her. He's mad at her. He feels shown up by her. But she's resourceful as far as he knows. I have a, I have a, a simple answer. 
Hmm. She's expendable. Also true. Right? Hey, I hate your guts. Fly me over there. And then you Klauskin her in the fucking airlock and go into the thing. I was never here. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. That's what I think. I think this man is planning murder. Yeah. Old urine might be dead. That's only one question. We have a lot of questions for next week. Such as, will Piss Pants save the solos or sell them out? How's Ben going to save a six-year-old when he's stranded? Will Jason kill the entire confederation? Will Lando ultimately betray everyone again and ruin everything again? Like every time, like all he always did in the movie? Find out next week. One time. When we finish book four, Legacy of the Force, Exile, with chapters 17 through 20. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Piss pants forever! (laughs) For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.